Hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me for the NHS 100K podcast with me, Matt Taylor. Uh, as always, I can't remember what episode this is. I think it might be eight or nine. I think I said that last time. But I've done two in the same day, which is why I've got this T-shirt on, the same T-shirt. Um, so anyway, enough about me. Uh, thanks for joining me, as um, as always. Support's been great. I really, really am humbled by your comments uh, and just your overall support. It's brilliant. I never expected it to, to, to kick off like this. So anyway, enough about me. I have a lovely person on the show called Eleanor. She is a nurse from Ireland. Uh, some of you may have already known about what the stuff's been going on, read her Substack. Some of you may not, but she is here today to have a little chinwag with myself and just to let us know what it was like. I was not across the pond, but uh, across the short little lake to, uh, to Ireland. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Matt. It's all right. I'll send you the invoice afterwards, okay? Yeah. And then you can pay me however you like to pay me. All right. So um, briefly, like I just said, you're a nurse based in Ireland. Tell everybody from, so you said you qualified, I'm going to repeat some of the stuff we've just said off air, but you qualified in 1998 and you uh, you did your training predominantly in London. And then you bounced around to the Manchester, uh, to a trust in Manchester. And then you ended up in Tyneside, did you say? Uh, Tameside Hospital. Tyneside Hospital, right. And what was what predominantly was the field that you're working in nursing and still are um my field was anesthetics recovery endoscopy and now i'm in decontamination around endoscopy as well brilliant do you still enjoy it no unfortunately <laughs> i don't i know I, sh I shouldn't laugh sorry but i think it's it's like one of the first things i say to everybody is like do you still enjoy it after the last two years no so yeah. um tell everybody a little bit about why we are here today so what 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 kind of has happened for you to get to the point where you want to sort of start speaking out about what's been going on over in ireland i suppose we're at a stage where we were two weeks to flatten the curve we're two over two years into it now and we're no further along um sorry um so basically we're at the stage where we've ignored so many things over the last two years we weren't allowed to use the therapeutics doctors scientists everybody was silenced um we rolled with a vaccine the vaccine is in doesn't seem to be making any difference we still need to be looking at the therapeutics we still need to be looking at an end game but the fact that we're not we're not being allowed or the media are only telling one side of the story and the doctors are being silenced is very, very concerning. So what, what's a uh, random question? What's the population of Ireland? Do you know off the top of your head? It's about 5.2 million. 5.2 million. Okay. So what was it like being in Ireland at the time when everything kind of started being rolled out or was getting across how can I explain because Ireland was still doing their things independently compared to what the UK was um but I know that you guys introduced some harsher measures compared to the UK at one point as well so you said that you um kind of started back in January 21 after being off sick she was a, assaulted by a patient she wasn't she wasn't she wasn't <laughs> she was uh doing some kung fu in the ward and hurt herself so and then she was off for a bit, which I think is kind of lucky, really, because you probably would have come back um, if you were there for the first year. And you, you came back in 21, January 21. So what was it like coming back after long term sick to, to the mess that was going on in Ireland at the time? Uh, I suppose I was very ready to go back. Um, 
I was looking forward to go, going back and I was very apprehensive at the same time because the minute I walked through the door within an hour, I was already asked to go to the vaccine centre for my vaccine. And I remember looking at them quite shocked and I said, I'm sorry, I won't be going. I'm, you know, at this moment in time, it's a no for me. I don't have enough information about what's in it. I don't know the ingredients. It's still on clinical trials. I'm going to hold back and wait and see. And that was the stance I took. But in the in the days, in the day, in the like in the coming days, then there was more and more people asking you questions, you know, which one have you had? Have you been? And everybody felt like they had, they owned you. They could actually ask you questions that they would have never asked before. People, you know, they actually, they want, your private information was now the public's information. People lost sense of their direction. They had no privacy. They lost, they lost their ethical conduct. You know, people's morals completely disappeared. And, I was just shocked, really shocked that so many people were behaving in such a way. And I suppose as the, the first I got into the second week and then one of the managers um, spoke to me on the corridor about my refusal. And she basically said, you're a very, very silly girl. You need to, you know, you need to do some research. And I said, I have done research. I said, I've done a lot of research. And I remember saying to her, I said, have you heard of Dr. Pierre Corey? And she looked at me and she said, who's that? And I said, well, he's a wonderful doctor from the States. I said, I said, I'll send you on his video. You can go and watch it. I said, he's talking about a repurposed drug called ivermectin. And I said, have you seen the man in the Senate and seen his power, his passion? And I said, all he wants to do is save lives. And I said, and you want me to take something on trial when I know if I get sick? I, there's other options. Um, so as the weeks went ahead, then what was happening was we were getting, I was getting text messages, text message alerts with appointments to attend for a vaccine. Um, I suppose when you were seeing, getting those text messages was quite anxious because you're thinking, what am I going to do? You know, this is constant. Then the messages were coming from my GP. They were coming from my local vaccine centre. They were coming from the hospital. So simultaneously, I was getting three lots of appointments. And then the phone started ringing. So the first day I answered the phone and I said, who is it? And she explained who she was and I asked her. I said, where on earth did you get my information? I said, I did not register. I said, you have to register. She said, are you sure you didn't register? I said, I'm absolutely positive. I said, I want, I said, can you go now and look and who, you know, I want you to check the records who submitted my details. And she said, I'm afraid I can't tell you that. So I said, you do know I didn't register. I said, please do not contact me again. So I block, blocked all the numbers and it eased off. And I suppose going going along a few weeks later they were talking about the vaccine passports and at that stage the alarm bells were ringing you know you're not going to be able to go into a pub you're not be able to go into a restaurant you're going to be limited to your activities so this made me really I think everybody's radar was going off thinking you know this is you know you're trying to coerce people into something they don't want by limiting their freedoms what 
was the general consensus uh, amongst the Irish population? Were they predominantly all on board with what was going on? They were. They were, they were because family, friends, people were actually shocked if you hadn't taken it. And then people were actually, they were saying, well, you can't go here. You can't go there. You know, would you not just take it for the sake of it? Or would you not just take it for granny? And I thought, why should I have to take something? And I said, I won't be bullied into taking something. I said, I've been nursing a long, long time. I said, I've had every vaccine except for the swine flu one. I said, because I didn't trust that. And, you know, people were calling you anti-vax and you weren't, you're not anti-vax, you're holding off. You're aware it's, we're still undergoing clinical trials. And when you point out the fact that we're still in clinical trials, the majority of people, even qualified staff, were actually shocked. No, we're not. You know, that's exactly what they'd say. No, the trials are over. They were just quicker. I said, no, we're still in clinical trials. Um, and I said, you know, you can't give informed consent. That's another major angle. You know, there's no informed consent. If you're being coerced, number one, if you if you have if if it's for a passport to go somewhere, that's not that's coercion. And how can you give informed consent? And even just say you completely agree and you want to take it. Unless you're being told at the time when you go for your vaccine that it's still undergoing clinical trials. That's a big part of it. And they won't tell people that because people will will get more hesitant. And that was another beautiful word they used throughout the last year and a half, hesitancy. Mm, vaccine hesitancy. I like, yeah. It's um, anything, anything to promote that um, was immediately destroyed. Pretty much, and I think that's that's been apparent for the last couple of years. Um, what? So you spoke about your NHS harassment, which we all endured as well, which I thought was quite. Um, we all kept on getting the text messages, and but we we, we banded it as NHS harassment because if if an ex girlfriend was like that, you could potentially get them done for harassment for texting you and calling you and all this kind of stuff and finding out your number. Um, were there many staff where you worked that felt the same as you? To be honest, I was quite lucky. Um, the I have, I have, I say about seventeen, eighteen percent of our staff. Wow, are the same as me. That's oh, just on one small unit. So there That's is a. Good. Is that because of what you've been telling them, or were they all no, kind of? No, we actually don't talk about many things. Like you know, we don't. We have several conversations, but they'd already decided before I came back. We had an incident a few years, about three, three years ago, where we had a new member of staff start. And on, I can't remember which dose of his happy vaccine, but he died that night. Wow. And some of the guys that I work with were actually, they started in around the same time. So I think a little bit hesitant, hesitancy started at that time. Mm -hmm. um, we did ask at the time whether it was related. We were told to be investigated, and you know, it. I'm not saying the HEPI vaccine is dangerous. I'm not saying anything like that. It was just most likely coincidental, but it did cause it did cause a lot of questions. Well, yeah, because no one, <clears throat> we don't really know what's in them, do we? I mean, we, we we and it's so difficult to find out. And even if you encroach the subject of the ingredients you just get um, chastised or 
classes an anti-vaxxer and, and all this kind of stuff which really you shouldn't be branded something like that if you're just trying to look at the ingredients or see what it is you're actually putting in your body or your kid's body um but that seems to be the society we're in at the minute doesn't it to be honest exactly you know we we're not allowed to question things anymore and i think we have to keep questioning in ireland especially we don't have enough people talking we don't have enough people asking questions uh we've had a lot of silence doctors a lot of their you know some of them have been in front of the medical council and i think going forward we actually need doctors and all healthcare professionals to pull together we need transparency we need to speak to the senior people in the hsc we need to speak to senior government and we need to be able to ask these questions not being allowed to ask creates very a huge amount of distrust yeah and, that, and that's that's been a big part of the problem now as well isn't it even if um <clears throat> there are uh, there's going to be a lot less people lining up for any new jab or new vaccine that they bring out in the future, I think, now, you know. It does make you question the whole the whole situation and it makes you question one thing that I'd be looking at is, you know, we are on dose number four here. Mm. How, many, how many more? And first it was the immunocompromised, it was the elderly. Now we're working our way down to the young children. How many are we going to allow the young children to take? Is their immunity going to wane the same way as the adults has? Yeah. It's an endless vicious cycle and we need to get on top of it. We need transparency about the whole situation. We need an open debate. We need to be able to talk about this and not ridiculed and pushed into a corner. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not trying to raise alarm. I'm concerned, mother and nurse, and I feel I have a right to ask the questions I'm asking. Hundred percent. We all have the right to be asking the questions that they that, that they uh, that we ask. That's the whole, you know. That's the way medicine should be as well. Um, it should. should be... Sorry. Go on. No, yeah. no, that's right. Well, when you look at okay, you look at you'd wonder what contracts the governments have signed with pharmaceutical companies. Because if they hadn't signed maybe a contract, wouldn't you genuinely throw everything that you have, use every tool in your box? Yeah. Fact is greed and money have taken over. What have our government signed us into? And if they haven't signed us into a contract, why are they not listening to the doctors, the nurses, the scientists? Why aren't they allowing us to try every tool we have? Yeah. And, all... why, and why are they using vaccine passports? Why are they using coercion? That's not healthcare. No, no, it's not. It's, uh, I had a lawyer on um, from PJH Law. His episode's going to go out this week. Um, and he was saying that um, there's a law, I can't remember where it is, there's an act somewhere that basically says you should be able to decline a medical procedure without no kind of like um, penalties, essentially, um, or discrimination. Uh, and, and that's not what's happening to everybody right now. It's um, but I've always thought the same as well with the, at the beginning. Why didn't they roll out vitamin D, uh, zinc yeah. and, and, you know, straight off the bat, even if, you know, hydroxychloroquine um, and ivermectin were the, the bad things that they say they were. You still got vitamin D and zinc and you've still got health advice you can give to people to prevent them from getting poorly. Did you um, 
so obviously there was quite a few staff which is great were they, were they on board to the point like were they all getting the harassment from their managers as well the same as you I, I, I probably got a little bit more than they did, I think, because I'm a clinical nurse manager myself. So right. it's probably best if I'm doing as they want me to do. And it might encourage others to do the same. Lead by example and all that. So so clearly you're not the management material because you weren't a yes person. No, I've always I've never been a yes person. I've always been about doing the right thing. And it's got me into trouble many times over, over in my career, believe me. <laughs> See, this is what I've never understood. It, it, as a manager, a, a clinical nurse manager or any manager in the NHS, you should not get into trouble for trying to do what's best for your patients and your staff. I've never... There's a certain calibre of people that stay in management, I've found. There is. Um, very yeah. much, you have to be a yes person. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> so totally not management material. Definitely not. Um, so... Well, what... I, have, I, I think the people that are the yes people shouldn't be in those positions. No, because I was sat in a position where they were just um, when when back in February, which started this whole journey where they said, oh, it's not us. It's the government that's making us sit here and have this conversation. And I was kind of like, well, no, it's not. It's not that you're sitting here and having the conversation with me directly. Boris Johnson is not sitting in front of me telling me this. You are. And at no point have you turned around and said to them, I don't know if this is a good idea. So um, it means it. What it did show is the management just do not will not support the staff basically if, if it came to it they'd be straight away you know doing what they feel is right did you um did you what am I looking at here so I can't read my own writing for a second there we go did you see many um any injuries coming into to, to any of the hospitals where you are vaccine induced injuries or suspected uh personally I haven't really witnessed much of that to be honest I am aware of several people from my personal situation um but a lot of those people don't realize that they actually have an injury <laughs> yeah i know right so this is it's funny i had another girl on the other day that that's basically so um you've got to have 60 percent disability at least to qualify for any kind of compensation how they quantify that i don't know but this girl i spoke to yesterday well, woman sorry she's got a really rare rare disease thing in her kidney uh, in her liver i'm just trying to find it now it was something like there's only three people in England that have got it or something like that. It's that, it's that rare. Um, Bud Chiari, right? So it's something to do with, it causes big clots in your liver. Uh, and then she's had really loads of sort of not small problems, but things that have caused her a lot of issues that now she can't work, but because she's not, dis, you know, got more than 60% disability or anything like that, she's never going to be able to claim or anything like that. Uh, and they still haven't put it down as it's caused by uh, caused by the jab either. So she's so she's in a bit of a sticky situation. But, um, okay, so you didn't see any injuries. I can't remember whether they were bringing in a mandate in in, uh, in Ireland or not for, for, the, for the vaccines, were they? They did look at it um, late in 2021. They did think about it, but they backed off. Um, there was, a, I think it was in around December, somewhere between November and December 2021, they were talking about it. Yeah, we're in 2022 now. And yeah. we're, we were waiting for that to happen. What they did do was they decided to risk assess, um, but they weren't allowed, allowed to ask you your status. Now, some staff in different hospitals across the country did get risk assessed, did get redeployed. I in was it around the time they were rolling the booster there just before Christmas in around Chris yeah in around Christmas they were rolling with the third shot 
And what they did was they sent an email out to all of us asking us to sign the email. Um, no, not sign the email. They sent us an email asking us to read the email and to disclose our status manager. So eventually, after a week or two, none of us were coming forward. <laughs> printed off the email with a sign-in list for everybody to sign it. Now, this was, I went around the hospital asking in different departments because I wasn't sure whether it was pinpointing in my department. And from what I could gather, it was pinpointing in my department. All right. We probably had more in my department than they had in other departments. And I remember my counterpart coming to me and she said, you still haven't signed that form. I said, I read it. I said, I'm not signing it. I said, it's nobody's business. And I remember looking at it, she goes, are you not signing it? I said, no, I'm not. I don't have to sign it. I said, I'm a manager. They know I've received that email. She said, you're the only one that hasn't signed it. And I said, I will continue not to sign it. You know, to me, that's, that's pulling me to one side. You know, that's trying to get me to go and go for a risk assessment. I haven't been off sick with COVID. But in around, when that form came out that week, we had a young girl that I work with who decided that she was going to refuse to work with staff that were unvaccinated. Right. Yeah. So, well, she the unions were very quick to come in then. Her union said, you can't, you can't demand, you know, you can't demand that. But that's, you know, we hit stages where you'd hear conversations or, you know, genuine staff. We have a lot of genuine staff that would, you know, they'd listen to both sides. Hmm. And they were coming to us with stories and saying, do you know, they're actually willing me to get sick and very sick. And there's one girl actually willing me, you know, to die because you're so selfish. You know, I, I just can't believe how the percep people's perceptions can change so drastically. People you had so much trust and respect for for years, all of a sudden, they're not who you thought they were. Hmm. It's, it's quite a shocking reality, but I think we've seen that in families as well, where a lot of families, you know, I was lucky my mum was very supportive. She did want me to take it, um, but she has listened. Um, she has listened to me and she has supported me. And she's turned around and said to me in the last few weeks, when she said, isn't it funny? She said, the black sheep of the family, you're the only one that hasn't got it. And you're the, you're the only one that hasn't been sick. Now, I hope I'm not wishing something on myself for saying it, but, you know, after yourself i take my vitamins every day i eat healthy i drink plenty of water and i think it's you know people i think another thing people did as soon as they had a vaccine inside them they felt invincible so they went mm. and didn't take any precautions you know they carried on like there was nothing happening and look we still know it's still around and it's just minding yourself minding your family mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that you said about, obviously, um, it was frustrating that there wasn't doctors speaking out. And I think it's important that the, that the viewers and listeners realise that there were a few of us that were inside the uh, the eye of the storm, if you will, that weren't happy with what was going on. And we did say stuff, um, but it falls on deaf ears, like you say. And we have had arguments and we have fallen out with friends and we have fallen out with family members. 
and we still have arguments and we still fall out with family members, you know, because it, it, it just doesn't go away. But I think it's really important that people realise that not all of us were on board with what was going on and weren't happy with it. But it's like be, the way the only way I could try and explain it to people is it's like being in the tide and swimming yeah. against it. But it's a really strong tide, you know, a really strong current. And eventually you get tired. So you just have to kind of kind of go with it a little bit. Um, but fair play to you, though. And I think it's funny that um, that you've not got sick as well. But uh, have you seen many cases uh, many because you work in oncology, right? No, no, no. I work in um, industry decontamination. Ah, right. OK, sound brilliant. So do you have you seen anything that, you, that, 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 you, that you've noticed um, that you, you could be attributed to the jab? Potentially. Um, to be perfectly honest, no, because I don't see too much. I've seen mm. more more amongst friends and family um, rather than anyone from a work point of view. Um, what I have seen is delayed cancer cases. You know, people coming in sicker now than they ever have been. Um, I've seen where we've been quieter than ever. The days were harder to put down. Now I have to say it's it's ramped up again. Now we're busy again the last few months. But the minute another wave comes, what's gonna happen? Things slow down again and your cancers start, you know, mm -hmm. surgeries are cancelled. It's a waste. I just I just think we need to start living with it. We have to live with it. We have to get on. It's like a friend of mine, she was diagnosed with cancer there last year and she her diagnosis was delayed from she found a lump in january she did not get surgery till november wow yes so she's lucky to be alive then essentially in that length of time she's very lucky she had to have radical uh, neck surgery she lost a quite about uh, quite a lot of tissue inside her mouth she's very very lucky another few months and I dread to think of what would happen. She's come out the other side. She's brave. Mm. Um, but, and there's many more like that. And that's the worrying thing. Many, many mm. more. Did you experience then much um, discrimination from your colleague? I know you mentioned there was the one girl who didn't want to work with the unvaccinated. But other than that person, did you get any other discrimination in the workplace? Well, there was quite a bit. Um, a lot of them were hoping that the vaccines would be mandated because a lot of them were going around saying, no, you know, basically no vaccine, no job, you know, with big smiles on their faces. People, I just can't figure them out. They've absolutely been taken over by the hysteria of it all. But see, that's the Irish people. You, Ireland in general, people watch the news like it's, they're glued to it. People will watch the news 24-7. People will watch the news every hour it's on. They'll watch the 6 o'clock news. They'll watch the 9 o'clock news. I remember the start of COVID when the figures were announced on a daily basis because that's something we did quite heavily here. And I remember after, I, I was watching it myself, even though I hadn't watched the news much in years, and I was starting to watch it. And then I thought, hang on a minute. It's doom and gloom. Turn it off. And you've kids. They don't need to be seen or witnessing this. You know, they don't need to know what COVID is. You yeah. need to protect your children's mental health. And I suppose then when you look at the lockdowns and stuff, that did affect the children's mental health. You know, we've caused more untold damage through the lockdowns, through the restrictions, through the coercion. And I think we have to stop. We have to look at a different way.
What was the final straw for you then? What was the final straw? I just, to me, I, I few weeks, like I'd been asked a few times to start, you know, people, people know my views. They're not, my views are not outrageous. So people would know my views and they, a few people have approached me and I said, no, no, I don't feel I can probably, I'm not somebody for the, for the public. You know, I don't like being here, but I'm doing it. And I think it got to the stage where they had rolled with the, 11 to 17 year olds and then I thought then they went to the under 5 to 11 and now I'm looking at it you're they're going to look at six months to five years when does it stop you know mm -hmm. these yeah. they're innocent children we they you have to protect your children and I think people have forgot I always remember the day my first child or my second child any of my children were born that day you feel an sense you know, intense love immediately and sense immediate protection of your children. And I yeah. think if people could start remembering how they felt in the early days, they won't make mistakes. People are, are fearful. They're fearful. But are they making the right decision? Children have. From the figures I've been looking at, 94% of children have already had COVID. They already have a natural immunity. Why are you messing with their immune system? Well, this is the question, isn't it? This is this is this is what I've noticed. Everyone's happy to talk about it up to a certain point. Yeah. So they'll say exactly what you've just said. You know, I don't want to give it to my kid and blah 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 and you know, and all this kind of stuff. And then you get to the whys, don't you? And that's when that's when things start to get a bit sticky. But you're right in what you're saying about the whole fear factor and the fearfulness, because a decision based on fear, not reason, is completely different. Um and I think what became apparent and is the herd mentality. You know, it was like, well, I'm jabbed, so I'm all right. You know, yeah. and, it, and it gave, what well, I like to say, it gave Karens uh, an opportunity to sort of get on their pedestal from their mobility scooter whilst eating McDonald's, you know, that you're a health risk. Um, so it kind of gave people that you wouldn't normally listen to or have a voice, a, a voice. Uh, and they became quite nasty with it, which, you know, that was apparent everywhere um which is sad because it showed this sort of true side of human nature really or the vast majority of people you know then would turn on you in a heartbeat which makes you feel great doesn't it well it does but when you speak to even colleagues that are not on the same page as me at work the majority of them won't vac vaccinate the children with the covid vaccine yeah and they don't uh, agree with mandating it either well we'll see what happens but i'd say the majority won't if they start mandating either mm. but to me, they're senior doctors, they're senior consultants, and they won't vaccinate their children because of what they've witnessed. I've had these conversations with them, but they should be saying they have concerns. If you're not willing to vaccinate your own child, why are you being quiet about it? Why are you allowing other parents to go off and do it? You know, yeah, and that's sad that we're yeah. going to a stage where we can't be truly human. Yeah. The humanity is just literally disappeared. Yeah. It's, we, we, we want to keep hold of the things that we've got. They've done a very good thing. They've basically made us buy all this stuff that we don't really need. We think we need it. Uh, and we buy it all. And then they get you used to kind of paying for it, willing slaves, essentially. 
and then you realize then well i can't i can't stop doing what i'm doing because i need to be able to pay for all this stuff so the majority of people are, are doing their job in the in the nhs um because they they can't go anywhere else or they you know i've left my i've left the nhs now and i had to literally take a 50 percent a year pay cut to a job that pays me minimum wage but i'm so happy um it's and and it was a big decision to make thankfully i got the support from my wife um to be able to do such a thing i know everybody's not in that kind of position but over time you could tighten your belt you could really do some stuff and think well actually i don't need this much money to live off i could therefore potentially get out but you get institutionalized don't you i think in the nhs i i think yeah the nhs and the hsc are very very similar um Ooh. i wouldn't be tied to staying there forever i think we have lots of work to do in the future to try and create trust in the healthcare service again because i do think a lot of people have lost so much trust i've lost trust as an, an employee um and a lot of staff have lost trust and you see the general public have lost trust you know people don't want to go into hospital people are staying at home and getting sick rather than presenting themselves at a hospital and then when they do present themselves they're very very sick and this is what's happened that's another curse of this situation yeah have you seen a surge um have you have you started to see a surge in covid cases over there um they've been reporting a surge um i actually haven't seen a surge i actually i don't think i know anybody with covid i think i've known two people in the last month that have had covid interesting a friend of mine works in a e uh and i spoke to him the other day and he said he's starting to see people coming in again with it but poorly not just testing positive, but being, he was in, basically told to me, he was in recess all day, pretty much, um, day before yesterday. So he said, they're coming in poorly. And I said to him, were well, they vaccinated? And he goes, some of them were, because obviously it says on their notes, he says, but the, the other lot, I don't know, because not, and if you, if you, if your doctor did it, he writes it on your medical notes as the last thing prescribed. But if you went to a, a center, a vaccine center or whatever, then it's not on the records. And then he, I, start, I started saying, what the type of people that are coming in that are sick? I said, oh, so obviously immunosuppressed and carers and all that. I said, well, they'll all definitely be jabbed then because they would have had to have been um, to keep their jobs and everything else. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I knew really a good 99% of them coming in would have been probably jabbed. So what, what, what frustrates me is he's a really good friend of mine and he's so smart. But I'm like, dude, surely you can put the two and two together and be like... So loads of people are coming in poorly who've had three or four jabs with COVID, you, you know, and I just, I don't understand what, like, why people can't see it. <clears throat> well, or, see, that, that's it. Like we, I, last, I think it was in December, 2021, yeah, 2021, after the booster started, we seen staff go off of COVID again, you know, and I've, I've got staff that have been off three, if not four times, the majority have had it twice, if not three times but i've even had somebody with a sick four times with it um and anybody i know that's not vaccinated the most they've had it is once yeah yeah i've had it once i had it once i had it once at christmas the, the wife and i both had it at the same time um i think the boy had it as well but he had a fever for like a day uh, um, and then he was fine um it's, it's, it's dead interesting because everybody who's kind of speaking out has, has experienced the same sort of thing. The finer details are slightly different, but we've all had the same sort of holistic experience um, to get us to this point. Um, so what 
promoted well so what encouraged you to to to, to write the sub stack i'll put the link for the sub stack and remind me i'll, I'll put the link in the sub stack yeah. in the um youtube um deeds if that's all are you happy for me to do that is that right perfect yeah. no yeah. i I didn't want, I'm not used, as I said to you before, I've never done, I don't do video in interviews. I don't do voice interviews usually. And I felt by writing a sub stack, I could actually say what I wanted to say without anybody putting words into my mouth. And it was, I started off, it was my personal story. And as I was looking through the therapeutics and everything else, I decided, hang on, I'll reference everything because it was easier you know if you can back up what you're saying so i think i must have made about seven or eight attempts at it because i had to go backwards and forwards to get it right but i just wanted if i was saying something that i could stand over it you know and i could actually protect myself because i've already been reported to the nursing and midwifery board for it would you believe that uh, yeah, I would actually. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I would, and I bet it'll be someone that you work with as well. No, no. Well, it was a UK nurse that reported me. Oh wow! Yeah, she yeah. submitted a fifteen-page report on my social media. Wow! And evidence of the Substack. She also likened me to some UK nurse called Kate Shimari. Shimari. Yeah, I know the one you mean. She claimed that that lady had been struck off and I should be struck off exactly the same. Mm. She, I was creating distrust in the public, general public. I was spreading misinformation. Um, so I found out about this, when was that last Tuesday, I think it was. I got an email from the nursing board, from the fitness to practice board, and they within 24 hours i knew they weren't going to investigate they just you know it was it was ambiguous when i read the email first it said we've chosen not to investigate and then some and i just said hang on are they going to investigate or not so i sent it on to some legal people i know and got confirmation that there it was over and done you know over and done with so i was glad in one way i wrote this up stack because i could not get accused you know everything was written everything mm. was Words are put on my mouth, yeah, because yeah. people can put words in your mouth and or they can make you say something you don't want to say, and it's very hard to stay politically correct. You know, I'm I just want people to actually start asking questions, yeah. You, I think it's um, people don't realize when they put in a complaint, and this is what the general public don't, you know, everyone says, I put in a complaint, put in a complaint about the person, and they don't realize what it actually entails to the clinician, um, what it can lead to, you know, suspensions, fines, well, suspensions and striking off restrictions in practice, just because someone puts in a complaint, forgets enough ground and they yeah. investigate it. You know, it's, um, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, aren't you? But it's, 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 it's not so, <laughs> from experience. It's, very, it's definitely not. Um, well, in fairness, it was my first ever complaint in 20 something years. So, oh, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong, clearly. <laughs> the um, nurses and midwifery board were very um, transparent. They sent me everything she'd wrote. I got the full list. The lady had obviously looked for my PIN number. She'd looked up everything. She gave them everything that she felt they needed. And they actually gave me all her details in return. Mm -hmm. so you're going to send her a love letter then 
No, I don't think so. Let's <laughs> <laughs> sleep and dogs lie. Yeah. Look, if the lady is worried, you know, see, these are the things. If she's worried, why can't she have a conversation with me? Why well, if she, yeah. If she'd have put as much time into researching some bits and pieces instead of writing that 15 page letter about you, she might have learned a thing or two as well. But uh, there are some people that just won't that won't see no matter what you do. I think that's it's that they they've purchased it. They've, they've gone past the, the point where they can take it back. They've got buyer's regret, but they're not going to uh, they're not going to say that. Um, and they're going to hate on anybody that's not taking it because we because I haven't taken it either. We are in no better situation than they are, and they've taken three or four jabs and everything else, and they probably hate us for it, which yeah. is bad because, you know, they shouldn't. Yeah, but to be honest, Matt, we're not going around spreading misinformation. We're not going around saying, you know, we are both aware of vaccine injuries. We're asking for transparency. We're asking for openness and honesty. We're asking for, we're asking to have our voices heard yeah you know and if they would listen to us and we could listen to them maybe they they could dispel any myth that's lying around well this is the thing i remember <clears throat> and i'm not going to um i'm not going to say who the person was but there was a period of time when i had a bit of a disagreement with someone um we would talk we ended, the, the the conversation or the argument ended up getting going on to ivermectin and irrespective of what you think of the the the, the drug does or doesn't do it was interesting the response when I sent a, a study. Uh, I then got a response back from from a BBC article saying it was horse paste, right? So, so I was like, right. So then I sent a. I got fifty studies pretty much for people like this to go away and read, and then and then, uh, but, but that was it. That was it. The horse paste uh, was was stuck firmly in that person's head. So it didn't matter that the uh, the fifty studies were supporting its you know use in certain things or. And like you said, it, it was so cheap to make that they may as well have just done it because if it worked, then bonus. It was certainly a lot cheaper than rolling out a, an untested mRNA jab that's now potentially ruined everyone's immune system, uh, making everyone poorly. You've got a doctor over there, and I always forget a second name. Do you know Dolores something? Oh, do you know the one I mean? Dolores. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember. Oh, over, yes. Sorry if you're watching Dolores, all right, but she's um she she's she's a lovely Irish uh, doctor as well. But she she's um she's predicted in the next three to five years we're going to see a lot of people dead, basically. I hope. I hope she's wrong. But when I hear things like from my friend the other day that the uh, that COVID is getting busier in the A and E and everything else, and we're in the middle of a heat wave, I, I start to wonder then think, well, well, this isn't right. This isn't right. And I know from when I was <clears throat> doing my job before. I was seeing patients poorly all year round. There wasn't no sort of respite in the summer like there usually is. You know, everyone's normally quite all right in the summer, but now nah, everyone was just sick all the all the year time. And, and things that were pretty rare as well is coming through. That's the other thing I was told, some rare stuff, some thoracic aneurysms in the under 50s. Just yeah. weird stuff that you kind of write a journal on, you know, because they're that rare. Um, but But, you know, that's just coincidence, right? Probably is, or maybe not, but I... Like from what I've been hearing, surgeries are taking longer, they're more complicated than normal. And that's just from talking to colleagues, you know, everything mm. more complex. Nothing is like it used to be. Mm. And they haven't said what or why. 
Well, it's interesting they're having those conversations. Well, you'd like to think they're at least, I mean, I've always had this sort of concept. So if you've taken the jab and you do notice that there's something not quite right with you, not not nothing massive, maybe you get palpitations or maybe you start getting hot sweats now or whatever. Those people are not going to tell anyone else. So we have no idea truly how many people have been affected by the jab, whether it's major or minor, because they're not going to say, because they're not going to want to be not proved wrong. Well, yeah, proved wrong, I think, is, is the way they're going to, they, they think it's going to be looked at, where it's not from our perspective. It's like you need to say something, because if more of you come out and say, actually, no, this has happened since, there's more evidence to suggest it's not as safe as a, and effective as they say it is. Um, but they're so kind of caught up in this, I stood by and took it that, you know, they can't, it's like a pandemic of people who can't admit they were wrong. It is. But what I'm seeing now uh, lately, there is a talk about the healthcare staff moving on to dose four here. And what I am witnessing is people saying they're not taking anymore. They've had enough, you know, and that's people that have taken one, two and three. I know several people that I work with that have taken dose one and two and have refused dose three, you know, are you know people are starting to see things a little bit differently but what i'd be afraid of when when they start rolling again what generally happens in our department is everybody's given time off they carpool and they go up up to the center so the pressure put on them there and then to go Hmm. have you have you had any whispers that, that, that they might be bringing anything back yet or for autumn winter time um, there was whispers that were going to roll with us for the healthcare staff because I know our nurses unit have been calling for it. And then there's other whispers they're going to wait till September till the adapted vaccine is ready. Adapted vaccine? Yes. Apparently they have resequenced or changed the way the vaccines are. They're called, they've changed something in them to make mm-hmm. it They'll work on more variants, apparently. And that's, there might be waiting to see about that one. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can already hear people watching this go, I ain't taking no more vaccines. Ain't no way. I mean, what's this? What? I, I, I don't know. I, I always get, if someone said, you look, look at this nice shiny car. Do you want to take it for a drive? You go, yeah, look at it. It's beautiful. And they go, right. Well, the brakes may or may not work. You You're go, not- no, 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 no. I'll give it a miss, thanks. And they're like, no, 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 it's great. It's new technology. Do it, you know, because if you don't, you're selfish. Uh, you're going to go, no, because I still am at risk of something happening. Um, and I think that's why, touching back on your informed consent um, comment earlier, it's that's uh, another doctor I was speaking to last week. Um, she said that is still the basic sort of fundamental thing of, of where we can kind of get them <laughs> when it gets that, not Nuremberg two per se, but the lack of consent, everybody can turn around and say that they were not given enough consent, essentially. See, there, was um, so, there was so much of a push. And I actually think a lot of doctors and nurses have forgot the basics. They forgot the principles of informed consent. You know, they're forgot. They're they're not thinking about their duty of care. They're not take, thinking about evidence based practice. If you're giving something to somebody, you need to be constantly checking up the latest data on it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what's worrying is that Pfizer tried to hide its documents for seventy five years. The majority mm-hmm. of healthcare professionals are not even aware of that. 
And the thing is, is that when you try and en encroach some of this stuff, because it's been wrapped in conspiracy theory or, or you know, then they don't even want to entertain it. So like, oh, right. OK, you yeah, know, I bet Bill Gates was involved. And you're like, well, actually, <laughs> you know, it's, so it's it's one of the things we need to try and work on. I say we as in the collective us that are, that are now trying to speak out is a way of bridging the conversation between us. And I don't like to say them because that, that creates two sides. We need to be careful we don't create two sides. Um but but we can listen to the vax people's opinions and things all the time, but they refuse to kind of listen to to our side of things, which I find really interesting. But we need to get to the point where we can, like you say, have an open conversation. But we all know, really, that the reason they don't want it to happen is because it is it's not what they say it is. Well, yeah, and if you have the open conversation, people are going to get more hesitant, and they don't want that. Yeah. See, uh, it's a vicious circle, and we. Yeah break the cycle we have to be allowed to ask the questions if yeah. i go wrong for asking a question well why don't i'm happy to meet any government government minister i'm happy to meet any senior person in the hsc i'm happy to meet any doctor i'm happy to sit down and have these conversations like we have so much evidence we have the science behind us and i think they actually know that i think they know yeah we they have know. and they oh. don't want Sorry, say that again. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off then. I think they know we have this and they don't want that, you know. Yeah. Because they, if people think for themselves, then like you say, it's it's not going to work, is it? It's not. But you have to be, as a society, we have to be able to talk. And they want that shut down. You know, science isn't science unless you can question it. Make science, you get it wrong, you go back to the drawing board, somebody else will question it, somebody else will come up with a better idea, and you work together. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's been interesting that there seems to be such such big divide between the camps now with the people that have taken it and the people that haven't. I have met a lot of people that agree that it shouldn't have been mandated that have taken it, um, which was interesting. But the problem is that I find with people, they'll agree with you and they'll talk to you about it, but they won't do anything about it. I think I think we need to be like a lot of people who go mad. We have to mend the bridges between both sides. Yeah, you know, we're all human. Whether you've made a, like, if if I'm wrong, I'll hold my hand up and say, "Look, I'm sorry, I made a mistake." And I think we both, from both sides, have to be able to say that we need to be able to sit down and talk about it this idea of feeling guilty or fear or did I get it wrong I hope I'm wrong every day and I'm quite happy to put my hand up and say when I am wrong mm. the longer we go into this the more I feel I'm actually on the right path and, and, and this this is this is the thing right every day the, the clinical minds you're like nah it's not it's not real it's not real Someone's going to show me something or I'm going to see something and it's not real. And then something happens to confirm that it is real. And you're like, well, OK, people are getting sicker. OK, fine. That could be anything. And, you know, oh, now I'm getting people that are getting really aggressive cancers. Now I'm seeing really rare stuff. Now people are getting shingles. Now people are their heart failure is getting worse. Their COPD is getting worse. And it's like and it's like being smacked in the face every time, aren't you, with, with something that's like, you know, it's like a truth, isn't it? Bish, 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 all the time. And you're like, oh. Well, you're, a, you're a paramedic. I'm a nurse. You learn something new every day, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. Absolutely every day. And 
this is what's happened. A lot of people are not learning anything new anymore. And should they be still in the jobs they're doing? Yeah. They're look and see, you know, we're on the biggest learning curve in history. So what are your plans going forward as, as now superstar Irish nurse? What are your plans going forward? Uh, I'll probably get ridiculed for doing this today. But look, I have to be honest. I've always been an honest person and I will not be quiet. Um, I've always questioned everything. I will always continue to question everything. Eventually, I think I've had enough of nursing, to be honest, and eventually I will find another path, another route. But for now, I will continue doing the job I do with the due care and diligence that I always have. And, you know, I think it's minding my children and looking after them at the minute because we're heading down. I can see another wave coming and that's what's, you know, you can see them talking about more lockdown and see them talking about reusing the mask drip feed yeah. thinking we can't go back to that like yeah. our children's mental health the amount of prescription drugs that have increased for children in the last two years is shocking you know you're looking at babies and i was i passed a baby there the other was in the few weeks ago i was collecting my daughter from school and this baby was inside in the buggy and everybody in the playground or not in the playground in the collection zone they all had masks on and I looked at this baby and I smiled. Baby smiled back. The baby started trying to, you know, babble, talk mm. to me. And the mother looked at me and she went, I haven't seen her do that in a long time. And I said, she can't see your face. She can't lip read. Mm. Her mother took off her masks there and then and she started interacting with the child in the buggy. And I mm. walked to the playground and I had tears in my eyes thinking, what are people doing? We can't, you know, we're going to destroy society more. Whenever sick people in hospital being denied visits from their family, they're isolated in these areas. They don't see anybody. They end up depressed. They end up sicker. Um, I was talking to a colleague the other day and they had been in, in, allowed in to see a relative and he'd gone very downhill. So I think one of them really, really went to town on it and said, look, we want to see him. We have to see him. And they eventually got permission to go in. Um, and within two days of two, uh, within two days and two visits, that gentleman ended up going home, whereas they actually thought he was going to die two days before that. You know, we have society is in a lot of trouble and we have to try and pull ourselves out of this. Yeah, and we, we we can't do that until people get over the, I think there's a lot of guilt because the people that backed everything at the start, some people would have done it because they genuinely thought that it was the right thing and, you know, they were doing the right thing for the greater good and, you know, protecting people and all that kind of stuff. But I think what's happening now, clinicians especially as well, I think they're realising that actually they sh maybe they shouldn't have been so keen to run and, and you know, get everything done. But they think I I think like I say that they, they, they it's not a case that they need to admit they were wrong. It's just like they, we just need to be able to say, look, it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong, or you've had two or three jabs. We need to now talk about this thing so it doesn't happen again. So let's just forget about all of that and yeah. just 
you know, start from scratch and think about how we can protect our children. Because, yeah, like you said, you've had two jobs, but you don't want your kids to do it. Well, that's great. But that's who they're going to come after next. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think isn't a time that we pause and look at the situation and ask everybody to pause, not giving anybody any ideas. Just say, can we pause and question what's happened in the last two years? Can we look at the whole situation? Are we getting it right? Are we getting it wrong? You know, just a general question, because we're going to we have to stop. We have to start looking at what's going on around us and we have to start engaging with people. People are so divided on either side and we shouldn't be. We should be talking together and finding a solution. We have solutions. We're just not allowed to use them. And on that note, is there anything else that you want to throw out there that we've not covered? Um, no, no. The only thing that really sort of has really annoyed me, especially in Ireland, I don't know what the UK is like with the radio stations. Are you constantly advertising for a vaccine? Um, I think so. I mean, I don't often listen to the radio because I get a bit frustrated with it, but I know there there was always adverts on about COVID, always adverts on about getting any booster and it's okay, it's fine. And and so, yeah, short answer, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so, yeah. But it's, it's all part of that subliminal kind of mind is isn't it? Like rain of terror even on the radio when you're driving to work. Like it's relentless, you know, yeah. the amount of advertising of something that would should really sell itself <laughs> do you know what i've never i've never heard it put like that but that's that's a really good because it should like you say if it's as uh, safe and effective as you say it is then we shouldn't be sitting here having this conversation really because everybody will be not cured but you know there would be covid but you know oh but if i hadn't had my jab i would have had worse covid and you just like yeah, that's constant <laughs> but that is the sign of people desperately trying to cling on to their decision and, that, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, this is my decision and, and I don't it want is, it to... It is. A friend of mine now, herself and her daughter are unvaccinated. Her husband and her son are vaccinated. They all got COVID there about two, three weeks ago. And the two unvaccinated got a very mild dose. The other two are a little bit sicker. And what was said was, oh, you just got a milder dose. You know... You just kind of leave it hanging in the air for a little bit, aren't you? Because you're just like, yeah. you know, oh, you're actually you're going, you're standing behind that. <laughs> you really believe that, right? Yeah. And it's, um, I think, so, go on. No, we are where we are. And I think it's just time for us to start engaging and start remembering the principles of humanity, remembering our morals. Go back. We need to start thinking about the situation unfolding and how we've all lost where we should be, you yeah. know, and being compassionate. Yeah. It's been hard these last couple of years. I know it's felt really kind of oppressive, heavy, emotional kind of, because I don't think people realize, you know, you people have taken their jab and then they've just got about their day. So they don't understand the, the I say the burden it would be the way of, of being someone like what we're like in our position where you're seeing it and you, you yes, okay, you can't 100% say it is, but if it was anything else and there was this correlation, there'd be investigations into it and there'd be studies and they would stop it, but they're not. And, you, no. think, you know, so I don't think people realise that you still got to go to work, still got to treat patients that you know are poorly because of this and and your, your colleagues feel the same. And it's, it's heavy, it's hard because you're having to justify your decision 
every single day, more than once as well sometimes. Having to work with people that are completely different to you remember, you know, their personalities have changed and you have to put on a false smile and carry on as normal with somebody that's completely different. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, listen, thank you for your time today. Now, um, you, I will put the link for your Substack in there. If there's any other social media stuff you want me to share, give me a shout. Um, please don't be a stranger. All right, I keep, keep me posted on what's going on. It's important that we all connect. And 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 I recommend everybody go and read the Substack as well, because I've had a read of it, and it's really good. It's, it's, it's a lovely little piece. Um, so are we going to have any more Substacks, or is this it now? I don't know. I said I was doing the sub stack and then I was doing nothing else. I had done my bit and here I am today. So yeah, I, I just take it. I think when I done that, I was very overwhelmed. I actually thought I might get seven or eight tweets and I couldn't believe it rocketed. And I have to say my Facebook was sort of friend request. You know, there was lots yeah. of happening. I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know. Yeah off very very much and i suppose i'd launched myself onto twitter a couple of weeks before that i think i went on twitter in may and it's i suppose twitter is very entertaining it's a completely different platform to facebook or telegram much more accepting, i think much more and, and there seems to be in my opinion there was a lot there were a lot more professionals on twitter yeah. um on both sides of the fence which is, you know, I had a Twitter account for years, uh, didn't use it. And then all of a sudden in sort of 2019, 2020, it was the place to kind of speak to people and have the arguments and the debates and get the studies. Facebook, in my opinion, is absolutely rubbish for this sort of oh, stuff. Completely rubbish. But you know where yeah. it's actually quite good as well is LinkedIn. Really? Yeah, I actually quite enjoy that there. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Not as in, you can't engage the same way you do on Twitter. It's mm. not quick. But it's very, I have to say, I, I do like it. I didn't expect to like it, but I do like it. Well, that's, 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 that. I think it's important that we go on every social media platform, to be honest, uh, yeah. and, and, and not sabotage it, but, you know, splash some truth about everywhere, you know, so people can't ignore it. Well, just being honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Such a good way of putting things sometimes, to be honest with you. I really do. I do like, but that's the Irish in you. You're very good. Uh, you're very good at that, aren't you? It's, uh, well, listen. Thank you so much for your time, Eleanor. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Don't be a stranger. Keep me posted on what's going on. I'll get you back on um, if there's any developments in anything. Um, um, anything else you want to throw in at the end? Any advice for everybody? No. Oh, just start questioning. Just start looking. Just start listening to everybody. Listen to both sides. Hmm. We're not mad. We're being, and we're being vilified for being honest. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, it's fine. My pleasure. Well, listen... Thank you very much. You take care. And I will speak to you all soon. All right. Take care. Bye bye.